Welcome to Masala PTI with your hosts, Ravi and Arvind. Pardon these Indians as they take you on a unique and wild ride around the world of sports. Welcome to a finals edition of uh, Masala PTA Boys and Girls. This is your host, Aravind. I'm here with Ravi. Ravi, we are actually here. Uh, finals game one is tonight and, you know, the Phoenix Suns are in it. Can you believe that? I still am pinching myself, Arvind. This has to be one of those bucket list items uh, that I'm sure we all have had. And one of the few ones where we have no control over accomplishing this bucket list, right? Yeah. I literally sometimes in the last few days have woken up in the morning and still can't believe the fact that the Phoenix Suns are going to be in with a chance to make the finals. I'm talking about like a week ago or 10 days ago. And right. in, the, in the last three or four days, I'm still not coming in grasp of the reality of it. And it probably will not hit me until 6.15 this evening when the ball will actually tip off. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's pretty unbelievable, I have to say. I never thought uh, they would be in the finals this year. We were all opening for a lowly eight seed or something, but here we are. And not only is it they are in the finals, I think they have a very good chance of winning uh, with or without Giannis. So the latest I'm hearing is Giannis might play even tonight. That's that's amazing. Uh, what are you hearing from uh, your sources in Phoenix? <laughs> <laughs> so, so as of yesterday morning, and this is before uh, Voj and Shams came out with the with the doubtful, or rather, um, when the official injury reports said doubtful, and then uh, the official media reports had said that he most likely will not be playing. Uh, I heard yesterday afternoon through, again, one of the local radio stations and one of the sources on Twitter that typically has been correct right from day one, including the time where he predicted Chris Paul joining the Suns, well before the official signing. He said that there is no way Yanis plays and now he's changed his tune to if he plays, he will be severely compromised and that the Suns are going to switch onto him, similar to what Booker did with AD in game uh, 5. So, either ways, just at a humane level, I hope Yanis does not because if he's not, I mean, you never want to see any player, uh, leave alone the superstar for the other team, you never want to see them kind of give it a go when they have no healthy business to go in. So, I hope he doesn't if he's not well, uh, but looks like he is going to give it a go, severely compromised. Yeah, I mean, I definitely want him to play just from a competitive standpoint. But you were right. If he's not healthy, we don't want any long-term injury for him, especially with the knee, right? It's not like a wrist or something. Uh, I'd be scared uh, if I'm a Bucks yes. fan. But I, I, you're right. I was hoping you'd be ready by game two. Uh, that's what I, even I heard from uh, our contacts in Milwaukee. Not that, you know, we have media contacts. It's my cousin who you know as well. <laughs> but he was saying but, their radio uh, folks in in, uh, in Milwaukee uh, local talk shows were talking about Game 2 as a potential return for him. 
Yeah, and you know, some of it also plays into, I guess, gamification, right? I mean, game one probably is the one where both teams can mm-hmm. afford to leave something on the table. I mean, in a seven-game series. Not that they want to. I'm sure both these teams are completely locked in. But if at all there is a game where they can say that they, they, you know, they, they, they want to play it safe, it probably is game one, which is what makes it even more uh, curious uh, that they would risk playing Giannis. Uh, right. I don't think... Of how- uh- you know, whether they lose or win. Yeah, tonight I will see, I will believe it when I see it, right? I'm still not sure what to expect. But uh, from the Suns' perspective, uh, uh, Ravi, that completely throws up the all of the defensive matchups and all that, right? My brain is really scrambled. I want to get into some of the defensive matchups and stuff with you. But this all with or without Giannis, I think they're probably going to have two completely different uh, defensive strategies, uh, you know. Probably Bridges uh, starts on Middleton, I would guess, and Crowder on uh, Giannis. Or what? What do you think if Giannis were to play? And I don't even yeah, know I, what what they do if they don't play. If he doesn't. Well, play. so I had a, and and you are right. Logically, that that assignment or that alignment for from a de- defensive set would make more sense. Except that it appears in the last three years or whenever Bridges got drafted. Middleton has whatever has a 55% shooting percentage when when defended by Bridges. So for whatever reason, and some of these stats, you know, may or may not mean anything, but it feels like uh, you know Bridges does a fair. Or sorry, Middleton doesn't get affected much when when defended by Bridges. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, uh, you know, Brook Lopez is not someone who needs to be defended in the paint or in right. the post. So. If ya if a full strength Giannis were to play, I would think it probably is going to be fifty fifty between Aiton and Crowder, and then yes, Bridges and Crowder basically tag teaming on Middleton. Right. But right. in either case, to your point though, the complication is if Giannis doesn't play, because I have no idea what the Suns are going to do then. Not that it's any worse. I'm just not sure yeah. what they what their plan is. Right. That is obviously a easier situation for uh, the Suns, but. Uh, I'm also not sure what they would do because the other thing too is, uh, uh, Ravi, if they do play, right, you still need to figure out how good Giannis is because you don't want Middleton to kill you and Giannis is just like a decoy or something, right? Right. Uh, right. This reminds me of one of the games that Bud uh, coached against the Nets when, you know, Harden could barely walk and he was double teaming Harden literally every possession and leaving uh, KD wide open. I mean, I'm exaggerating here, but really... I thought he put on way more focus on Harden than KD when really Harden could barely walk. Like, yeah, you don't want that fact, kind of a situation. I still think this might be a Middleton game from a Bucks perspective for tonight. I agree. In fact, that game that you're referring to wasn't it the one where uh, Barkley famously said that he expected the Bucks to win it all, but they also are the dumbest team in the NBA today, yes, just because. Yes. Yes. You know, they play they play a set way and they don't change and they don't kind of look to exploit matchups. So and that was interesting and you know how weird it is. And I'm kind of going on a slight tangent here, but Barkley doesn't come across as being this basketball savant, but we enjoy listening to him. But in this case, he's also 
kind of been proven correct at least in terms of who he said was going to come out of the east right uh, but you know the i think you pointed this out too uh, offline that he's also picked the bucks to win it all right I, uh, even though he's uh, probably i'm assuming he's going to be so I, in phoenix in some form on the screen if not in person oh right so oh, what absolutely. is he going to do I, I, if, i've seen i've seen huh? so i've seen partly working and i'm sure he's saying this to the phoenix in fact you know he has started making weekly appearances on gambo show uh, in phoenix on the radio show mm-hmm. and i remember during the denver series during one of his weekly appearances he had mentioned this that he almost is nowadays uh, you know betting on or proclaiming the team that is going to play against the suns as the one that will win the series until the series is halfway done because it feels he feels like if that doesn't happen his team is still going to win which is the suns and i see him <laughs> working in that manner in full fashion in the finals because i know he has proclaimed that the bucks are going to win it but i have no doubt that his heart is with the suns he, he i think he, he would be super geeked if the suns end up winning uh, i see so he's basically working on a reverse jinx that's exactly nice. exactly uh, I do think the Suns uh this is probably a toss up series but the Suns obviously have a shot to win with or without Giannis right and I would pick given that they have the home court and the momentum and all that probably better coaching too right uh yes. I would pick them to win in 6 with a healthy Giannis and without a healthy Giannis probably 5 that would be my uh projection how about you let's start there before uh, we touch on a couple of other topics i had i had uh, i i think i think we we are both aligned on this i had i had it at 6 that is suns winning 4-2 with yanis and winning in 5 uh, if if he kind of doesn't play at least the first two games um i don't so I, and i don't see either ends of the spectrum i don't see the suns winning in four i just find it incredibly hard to believe any team can sweep in today's nba and on the other hand i don't see this going seven i thought clippers were a really really tough test for the suns mm-hmm. the way these guys especially after losing game five the way they went back and just pummeled the clippers in la in game six i could see that happening again if the series were say 3-2 suns going to la i yeah. think the suns close it out versus letting the bucks win and then coming back for a game 7 so i don't see it go- going 7 at all right right me neither um you know just before the series starts uh, ravi i know we touched on this a little bit last part of the one before that i don't remember they are blending in uh let's talk about how how we even got here right the suns again we are pinching ourselves are in the finals uh i know uh chris paul is getting a lot of the credit and rightfully so especially that last game what he did against the clippers was just amazing uh, that was like a you know volume scorer i take over in the fourth quarter type performance that you don't see a whole lot from chris paul uh you know the pure point guard right uh aside from him and of course they added jay crowder what are some of the things that triggered this run for uh for the suns right obviously they were good in uh the bubble and looks like except you and me everybody seems to have thought that was an aberration or something that was a fluke or something i don't know how they would do that because 
that was the eight games of pretty solid competition, right? If you remember, Booker had a game winner against uh, the Clippers and all of that. Yes. So to me, it sounded like a lot of it was the anger player development, specifically uh, Bridges and Cam Johnson. I don't know where it came from. I don't know what happened between the, you know, end of and uh, between the pandemic start and the start of the bubble. Uh, and I felt like Aiton actually took another step forward throughout the season. Right, uh, even in the bubble, he was kind of so-so. But then I think he has been significantly better on and off during the season, and then in the postseason, he has just been amazing. Yes. So if you trace all of this into a cogent story uh you know what what do you think are some of the key triggers for this turnaround and how did we get here uh, and you just actually summarized uh, the trajectory really well uh, arvind and i'll just mm-hmm. add a couple of things in you know in 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 conjunction to it and the first one of which is as you said a big part of it is the fact that the suns for the last 3 years have set up a fairly good base of young talented players you know the cam johnsons the bridges the aitens <clears throat> and the bookers but i think where the team really took a huge leap in the last one and a half years was in adding the iq the basketball iq and acknowledgement of individual roles to the talent that each player already had so bridges knows that he's not going to score 25 points a game though on a crappy team he probably can cam right. johnson knows that he's probably a starter in this league but he's going to play 10 minutes in a game off the bench or he could play 30 but it is totally up to how the game flow is and i feel if you go down the roster except for a couple of guys and i'll come to that also in a minute But to me, that's what has defined the success in the early part of the last one and a half years. Where even with Rubio, and I think we addressed this a couple of pods ago, right? With Rubio, the Suns became a team that glued well together, gelled well together, and each player knew and acknowledged his role in the whole picture. So I thought that 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 was the I guess the 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 cream or the majority of the. work done and again a huge kudos for that has to be absolutely monty and his staff now on top of it when you add probably one of the what top 3 to 5 ball handlers game managers in nba history right. to that equation you're not only talking about people knowing what they are supposed to do but they know exactly where their time to shine will come cp will get them the ball when he knows they are open so i think it's a combination of those things those two things and last but not the least you also and bill simmons says it famously that you know there are these guys who when it comes to crunch time they say okay i got this right and cp3 mm-hmm. is the epitome of that and he showed it in game 6 against the clippers and game 4 against denver that after all that i just said you need a team you need people to acknowledge their roles but there are times in a game you know two minute three minute five minute spurts where you need one guy to say i got this and we exactly. finally have a guy doing that and not only that he becomes the second guy who can do that right that's what be makes it really hard for uh, defenses is they are expecting booker to be able to do this but now you have this two headed monster and you know who's who's going to be you know attacking and who needs to be double teamed and things like that so he exactly. obviously 
uh, uh, Ravi, he brings a lot to the table, right? I don't want to diminish that. But at the same time, I don't know if you feel this on like Twitter and things like that. Some Suns fans, and maybe you can add me to that list too, do feel like there is just a little bit too much credit given to him at the cost of maybe diminishing some of the rest of the roster. Yes. Uh, Right, and I go back and forth on that as well. But for whatever it is, you know, uh, uh, having CP3 has been great, and no complaints from me on that side. Uh, have you yeah. have you noticed that tendency among fans that they don't know how to handle this because um, the national media is just way too gaga over CP3, and the local uh, fans seems to be like, listen, guys, you guys just were not watching. This was happening slowly but steadily, starting with the bubble. Right. Yes. Yes. And 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 I'm with you on that. I I'm with you on that. Although I'm not surprised. This is the way you know, me the media or basically the the audience needs a narrative, and this mm-hmm. is a very romanticized narrative where for 16 years the guy doesn't get anywhere. Then he has a bunch of really crappy luck, which or injury, which takes him out, and then. He's discarded by his team, finds a home in Phoenix. I mean, it's, it, it builds a beautiful narrative. But yeah. you're right. I think the core of it is that's why you know both you and I agreed on uh, you know a couple of minutes ago that it, the growth of the Suns goes far beyond or far before CP3's arrival. But he has been that ideal closer. Yeah. In every way, right? Not just in games, right. even in terms of closing the, the the nucleus of the team. But to me, as it stands right now, with everyone going gung ho over Chris Paul and his game six, I agree with you. I think the people that end up not getting any credit, and that is very un, you know very very unfortunate, is not the Bookers of the world. Booker, I think, has its stature. But to me, the 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 amazing growth of Aiton is just mind boggling. And then you have people like uh, uh, Cam Johnson. I thought Jam Johnson was terrific in the Clippers series. Every time he he would come off the bench is when the Suns would show some life, even in games that they lost. And much as I get frustrated by his inconsistency, Crowder was you know in in every decisive game, Crowder yes. has been a lifesaver. <laughs> Actually, I was joking uh, with someone about his inconsistency, and then he goes on this tear in that game six against uh, Clippers. Yeah, yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's amazing when it, uh, when it matters the most. It looks like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and to, and and you know, again, I know that there have been some proverbial rags to riches episodes written as well. Like I'm, a lot has been written about campaign, and you know, the, it just. I, but at the same time, I feel like guys who are kind of flatlining in a good way, that is, don't get as much credit. The bridges, the crowders, the campaigns right. of the world. But I think you make an interesting point, Ravi. I think one of the underrated additions might be campaign too, right? Because I think he was. Um, not there before the bubble, uh, right? Yes, he I was signed actually signed uh, a year, exactly a year before Game 6. Right. Game 6 against the Clippers was his first year anniversary with the Suns. Okay. So, yeah, so he came in after the bubble and he has been a great piece of the bench. And I think he brings in some toughness and a yes. kind of a weird, uh, irrational confidence too. To you team. know, he's he's someone who I couldn't care less if he gets a technical or two. Because A, he's not hitting the threshold. Crowder is dangerously close to getting suspended for a game. But right. campaign, I would, you know, I would be totally fine tonight or 
on Thursday, just showing some swagger, getting a technical or so, because you're right. I think that's something which is, uh, you know, we, we need that boost coming off the bench. Yes, yes. And you make an interesting point about CP3's the storybook narrative. Yeah, I think one of the reasons the media is on him is not just because they don't respect the rest of the Suns or anything like that. It's just that his story is so... Uh, you know, so fit for romanticizing and making something out of it. I think that's where his story fits. Speaking of, uh, was a couple of quick hits before we, uh, you know, uh, get ready for game one. Where do you think, Ravi, he belongs in the pantheon of uh, Sun's Great? I know it's it's kind of a weird question because he has been with the team for what now? Eight months, six months, right. whatever. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, he just taken us to the finals after 28 years that's the last time Suns went to the finals and he has definitely had a huge impact on that so I wonder where he belongs in the pantheon is of course if he wins he's going to be a lot higher even if he doesn't win he has taken to us to the finals which is the best anybody has ever done for the Suns anyways right the Suns have never won so I'm just curious where he fits in the all-time greats. Uh, you know, the ones we followed, Ravi, Barkley, KJ, uh, Nash, Stoudemire, and now Booker, CP3, Aiton, right? Yes, yes. So, and of course, there's been Thunder, Dan Marley. There's been, you could go back and it's Westfall. And they've had a storied uh, history. So I think this guy is going to be way up there. Wouldn't you agree? 100% Arvind. And I'll restrict my response to a timeline that starts from 1994 because honestly i'm sure there were great players uh, you know the dick van arsdales and the walter davises and the tom chambers of the world but again right. because we did not have personal fandom experience with them yeah. we start off from the barkley era sons to me where chris paul despite having been with the team for just 8 months just the impact he has made the impact the sons have made especially after the drought of the last 10 years I am thinking of him just impulsively in response to your question. I would rank him right below Barkley, KJ, Nash, Marion, and Stoudemire. Now, if he were to win the finals, I put him above all of these other guys, but just below Barkley. Nice. Okay. Yeah, you actually, you are much, uh, I think you are very fair in ranking him. I would definitely put him behind uh, Barkley, Nash, right? Uh, and yes. KJ as well. Mm-hmm. Nash and KJ were my favorite uh, sons, even more so than Barkley. So I would have a hard time ranking in above them as a son, uh, with yes. or without a championship, actually. But you are right. Where I like your ranking even more is without a ring, uh, you might as well put him behind, you know, Marion and Stoudemire or. And maybe a couple of others too, right? Just because of the tenure and how much we as Suns fans enjoyed those guys year after year after year. Now, CP3 may get there. I I think he at least has two or three more years and hopefully good ones with the Suns. But that's a discussion for another day. But I I agree with you that he's definitely top five, uh, top four or top five in my mind if he wins a championship. And if he does not, he's still probably in the top, you know, six, seven, whatever. Yes, um, yes. And and you bring up a really good point about KJ and Nash because the other part, and that's something that's always resonated with me as well, is that they were very loyal Phoenix Suns, right? In the sense, uh, right. Nash, in the last couple of years, he basically had a 
you know a bunch of uh, you know nobody's playing with him and still he was able to kind of keep them competitive and kj if you remember arvin went through a phase where his career was almost ended due to injury and then he came back for those last two seasons where he became a spot up shooter right with the kid uh, nash yes wesley person era sons and to me while still staying with the sons so to me i agree with you i think barkley is barkley so we've got to put him one but in terms of sheer loyalty and being a lifelong sons for the most part that is kj and nash are unique right right and 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 i don't know if this would be the public's ranking or or whatever the media's ranking of it right i think cp will probably jump those guys but in my and your book i think he would still be it would be still be hard pressed for him to break the top 3 sons just because of you know tenure maybe we have some emotional attachment to those other names as well uh the yes. other question i had ravi is where do they you know we have had three major sons teams in terms of excellence right one yeah. is the barkley kj the other one is the seven seconds or less and the third one is this uh booker cp3 uh, sons right with this one kind of sneaked up on our, upon us in just you know uh, a, a year basically right uh, we maybe hopefully this continues for a few more years and it becomes an error but for now how do you see these three uh, major sun run that we have experienced and enjoyed to me again uh, it's it's also where we were from age wise and association with phoenix wise and all of that to me the 7 seconds or sons less is number 1 mhm uh 7 seconds or less sons uh, uh, that's a tongue twister so that is number 1 <laughs> yeah and then probably uh if especially if this one wins a championship definitely number 2 and then the barkley uh, kj which is kind of i think fading away in my memory in my old age but the, that the, that would be three probably that's my rate ranking i don't know how do you feel uh, these are all just emotionally how we connect with these teams right more than anything else uh, where are you with that i think my order is exactly the same in fact you know a big part, part of the reasoning that i have is very similar to yours and i'll start with the last one first i think the 92 93 suns uh, as great as that you know that run was problem mm-hmm. is you know part of the problem is we weren't here to experience it live and in and lack of internet social media etc made it a fairly kind of exotic or a hearsay kind of a story right so we don't feel as invested in it now among the two other ones which are more recent to me i agree with you arvin that whole 2004 2005 suns onwards right for the next four years yeah that era of the suns was so exhilarating partly because out of the blue the suns started doing ridiculously well and oh by the way they almost uh, transformed the game of basketball i mean much of and we have talked about it at nauseam in many of our podcasts many of the you know the latter day warriors or the spurs or today practically every other team that plays kind of has adopted pieces bits and pieces of the yes. seconds or less sun so to me yes. what they brought to the table compounded by the fact that the media and the critics used to bash them no end saying this is a kind of team that will never win in the playoffs they play no defense 
and still you know it seemed like this bunch of merry men who went about doing their stuff dantoni was considered a mad genius so overarching overarchingly it felt like that was a four five year reign where no one believed in the suns and still they kept winning and they kept winning and they kept winning and then something unfortunate would happen so we would all sit back and say okay maybe next year i thought that still in my mind is the best five years of my life following the suns yeah i think i think you were right exactly you captured it really well because they also had a had a fun element to the way they played right which yeah. ended up transforming the uh, league and all that which which i don't think this team will ever have and that's fine right not every team is going to transform even not every champion is going to transform the sport right so this team hopefully is a champion but it won't have that going for it i think that completely was exhilarating just watching that play the way they did and kind of you know it was not just good they were so much fun uh with that said i i'm sure you know we would have a lot more to reminisce and enjoy as the series starts but we may be hopefully talking more about the games themselves so any final closing thoughts ravi before game 1 i think i expect a, a fairly close game which may be with the suns separating towards the end in the fourth quarter uh, maybe a little bit of nerves at the beginning for both teams and uh, like i said my brain is jumbled imagining with and without Yanis, the two scenarios, but I think either way, it's going to be tight. It's going to be fun, uh, but the Suns taking it uh, late in the fourth quarter, maybe actually winning by somewhere between eight to twelve points. Uh, I see. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I couldn't or I would not be able to thank you enough if what you just said ends up actually <laughs> happening because, uh, and I think I mentioned this before game three of the Clippers series or something. but i'm again i'm slightly worried about tonight i think the suns are you know riding a wave of uh, you know this 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 uh, tremendous thrill of getting to the finals the bucks have come in with absolutely zero uh, you know uh, uh, hope or not hope but you know basically predicting for the bucks to win the series and so on and so forth and yeah to me the first 4 minutes of the game the suns could very well be down by 10 or 15 points just because they are still kind of in a in in a swoon now having said that i think they will win i think though or i fear though that will be a lot closer uh than the 6 point uh spread so i hope i, that, I mean i think the suns will win it'll be a lot closer in my mind but if they win today they're going to blow the bucks out in game 2 okay Cool. Let's hope for that. Uh, enjoy game one and hope to uh, sink back again. Hopefully after game two. What do you say? Let's do that, Arvin. And go Suns. Okay, go Suns. Hey!